and welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast. It's Strongcast number nine, and it's the 24th of February 2012. I'm Xbox World Associate Editor Andy Hartup, and I am joined today by Mike Gapper. Yeah. And Matthew Castle. Hello. The regular Strongcast team. Indeed. The, the backbone <clears throat> of the Strongcast. Now, um, we're going to do something slightly different uh, this time round, and don't worry... I know a lot of you panicked when we did a Skyrim podcast. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, you, we've uh, we've polled you guys on the Facebook group and Twitter, and you both you all seem to like this the idea of this. Uh, it was Mike's idea. We are doing a Strongcast takeover. Um, you guys have been suggesting questions and topics for us to answer, and we were going to give each one of the best ones five minutes to uh, to talk about. Uh, we're going to do that after we've been uh, discussing what we've been playing. So, um, what have we been playing, and what what's the big news of the month? Big news of the month is I bought myself a new PC. Nice. It's brilliant. I'm really pleased with it. I did the one thing I always said I would never do, which is I bought myself a gaming laptop, mm. which is insane because it's much <laughs> much more expensive than a desktop to the same spec, and it's basically unupgradable. You know, you can rip the hard drives out and so on, but you're pretty much stuck with what you've got. Mm. So I bought myself an MSI 780 something something something. You know, who cares? But it's a <laughs> it's a beast spec. It's it's a monster. Yeah. In fact, it's more than a match for a desktop spec I used to have. Mm. Uh, I did it for a few reasons. One is that these days I've been playing more and more games on PC because it's nice not having to carry like cart discs around and that kind of thing. Mm. I'm playing games on PC and. It's got to the point in a generation now where it's actually the PC versions of games are considerably nicer than the console ones. Mm. And I'm not recommending anyone upgrades because it is and it isn't a cheap thing to do. I mean, this is a, this is a, almost fifteen hundred quid worth of PC. Whoa. But the advantages for me are kind of outweigh the disadvantages. The mm. disadvantages are obvious. Like I say, you can't upgrade it, and if one thing breaks, the whole thing breaks. That's mm. that's the thing with a laptop. Oh. It's much easier to drop a laptop as well than it's a desktop to drop PC. A laptop, yes, mm. and yeah. If I spill a load of tea on my my laptop keyboard, it, the machine exactly. breaks. If I spill mm. a load of tea on my computer keyboard, I just turn it upside down and drink the tea back out the of tea, the keyboard. Yes, yes. Mm. delicious dust keyboard tea. tea. <laughs> so we got. Um, I bought this thing because I'm kind of sick of having a little game room. I'm not sure if you guys have got one. Have you got a little a little place you play games? Uh, yeah, it's called my flat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me, let me ask the uh, happily married uh, Andy Hart up here. Uh, no, I, I have to fight for television time. So I have a little... I'd man- welcome a little gaming room. Well, I have a little man cave where I go and play my games. I'm kind of getting a bit bored of just having to go away every time I want to play games. So I was like, you know, the only thing telling me down really is that. If I want to play console games, my girlfriend's kind of happy just for me to sit and play and, and on TV. So I bought myself this laptop and I've sold off my old, all the bits on my old PC and it pretty much that added up to like about 900 quid worth of bits anyway. So, I mean, it, it was already a beast PC. It was kind of upgraded fairly recently. And I, I actually could not be happier. I'm, pl- I'm sitting there playing it like I just slang it on the coffee table, plug a controller in, plug it into a TV by HDMI, treat it like a console. And the first thing I played on it was uh, The Darkness 2, nice. which I'm not going to talk about too much because you guys covered it on the last Strongcast, which I wasn't on. Um, I, th- I'm a re- I'm j- I really like the game. I think I've said it before. There's um, at least one guy on our Facebook who thinks it's kind of a crap knockoff of what Starbreeze was doing before. But what's most interesting, I think, is that, A, you're wrong, and it's not a crap knockoff of what Starbreeze <laughs> did you're before. You're wrong, you idiot. Because, st- because <laughs> Starbreeze... 
are the ones making the crap knockoffs of the stuff they made before. Uh, we couldn't talk about Syndicate last week, but we, we can, can now. talk about it now. So The Darkness is... Um, what's interesting about The Darkness, too, is that it's made by Digital Extremes, who are, we think we said before, like the masters of the 7 yeah. out of 10, right? This isn't a 7 out of 10, this is better than that. It's a really good game. It tells a nice story. It's got some really great moments. Like a, this, It's got the saddest button prompt in history towards the end of the game. You, you know what I'm talking about. It's, uh, I can't say it because I'll spoil the game for people. Can you near, mind is it? it? really near the end? <laughs> it's right near the end, yeah. Yeah, that is sad, yeah. Yeah. It's um, got great guns and it's really interesting and fun combat, although it gets a bit duff at some points when you've got a guy with a torch coming at you, who, standing behind oh, a guy with torch a shield. Man. Torch man. Those guys piss me off. Yeah. The, I don't like the ones that flit around. With the sort of darkness ability, so when you whip yeah. them, they sort of go. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Also, it gets to the point later in the game where bad guys can just soak up so much damage. You stop, you forget how powerful those guns are. Mm. Those guns are, are beast powerful. T- Early in the game, they feel ridiculous. Tell you what, they can't soak up the tentacle up the ass. <laughs> you can't soak that up. You are quite right. Yeah. I didn't get a uh, single execution in the whole game. Really? Yeah. How do you? How does it? How do you get an execution? I've only got one myself. You um, you've got to unlock the um, you've got to buy the special power that it, it recharges. You know that ability you get where you you execute someone and you get a shield. Oh, I no, I didn't get that. Ah, well. Oh, is it one of it's, those? It's one, it's one of the things on the unlock tree. Oh, you, you get to that, and, and it's basically it's the B button. Oh, so when right. you, when you've got someone dangling up in the air with a tentacle, press B, oh. and those are your um, those are your ones that unlock right. your defensive oh, shield. I've seen loads of people one get of which half, one yeah. of which is the execution. Ah, oh, I really wanted to see one. I spent the whole time wanting to see it, but yeah. anyway, I think the game's great. Just really mm. really fun fab shooter. Really looking forward to the Star Trek mm. game now, which is going to be made by mm. um, it's be published by Namco rather. Yeah, yeah. But again, what's interesting is that like Starbreeze decided they didn't want to do the Darkness Two. It mm. ended up falling to Digital Extremes. And Digital Extremes made their first great game. At the same time, Starbreeze over in Sweden were making their first bad game. Yeah. And that game is Syndicate. Oh my, Syndicate. Oh dear. Um, Yeah, it's... uh... It's not great. No. You um, you'll read my review in the next issue, um, but I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> the problem with it is that it feels really old. It's like it's almost as if they took the worst bits from Riddick and the original Darkness, like the worst sort of habits that they had, uh, mixed them in with a few bad habits that they obviously picked up while they were playing Deus Ex because. Everyone in that company played Deus Ex. Mm. The games are very, very similar, um, well, and, and they're, they're similar created in, they're some sort of theme. some sort of beast. It's similar in theme, but not in content in any way. Like no, no, no. no like no. I mean, Syndicate is uh, kind of a real rich RPG. With, uh, sorry, Deus Ex is a real rich RPG with lots of different choices you can make, lots of different mm. strategies you can employ. Stealth works, gunplay works. Everything about it is really, really good. And in Syndicate. Nothing works. The gunplay works. Uh, I, the thing is, so the thing the gun, I like about Syndicate is the guns. The guns they feel are good, beefy. But they do feel beefy, but who cares when the Syndicate's idea of a good fight? And I had a really frustrating moment in the office. I'm going to let people into a little, little insight into the office dynamic. Uh, when Code first came in, I played the first level of the game. Just trucked on through. Sat there and everyone was going. This looks brilliant. This looks great. And I said, "This trust me, guys. It's not. It's no good. If you don't feel it, it's no good." And everyone was like, "Oh my, you're crazy. It's just you, you old cynic. This looks great." 
Turns out, guess what? It's no good. And the reason is you really can't tell it's no good until you get your hands on the controller. And when you do, you find that Syndicate's idea of a good fight is basically to lock you in a space and then just flood that space with bad guys, smash TV style. That's my idea of a good fight. It's not, is it? Is it? No, not really. No. Because <laughs> what, that castle You're... just sighed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, blew, it blew our uh, notes onto the floor. <laughs> That's my, the super, power, the that's power my superpower. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Sire Man. Yeah. It's like Spider Man. Someone said um, one, of the, one of the topics which we didn't use for this one was um, what's more annoying, Andy Hartup's posh voice or Matt Castle's big size? <laughs> I'm, I don't think Andy Hartup has a posh voice, but you know. He just enunciates very clearly. Be- yeah. He enunciates beautifully, like received English, received yeah. pronunciation. But mm. I do snort, I'm willing to. Because I wasn't born, I was created. You're from Yorkshire, aren't you supposed to be like E Bagum and yeah. like Stroke down like, I'm, I'm from yeah. I'm from well, I, I grew up in Yorkshire, I grew up in Leeds. But I spent the rest of my life in the West Country. And in my effort to not pick up a West Country accent, because it's not very attractive. Sure. It's not very attractive. <laughs> um Carrie Grant was I've, from Bristol. I've sort of lost I've lost my, my northern accent and just sort of gained this one. Yours is very much like the BBC English. Yeah. It's that accent which is from nowhere. I do nowhere. watch the BBC a lot. It's, 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 it's an accent from nowhere. I was reading about received yeah. pronunciation. This is so. This is this is the podcast gold. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was reading about received pronunciation the other day, and they said it's actually a myth that BBC would mandate a particular accent. It was always, mm. it was always a myth, but it was just the people would speak with received pronunciation, which is kind of an accent associated with a class. Not with a region, right? Which is what makes it weird. People who speak in that way can come from anywhere in the UK, yeah, yeah. but it's very much attached to people of a class, not a, not an area. Anyway, yeah. oh, thanks, so, thanks for that, Professor. I know. <laughs> so, I'm, not, I'm not saying all regional accents are bad. I quite like some of the regional accents. Just not Bristolian. I think some of them are quite quaint. I uh, think they are. <laughs> <laughs> that was a I, southerner I, joke. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like the Welsh accent. Yeah, it's nice. Owen Hill on PC Gamer's got a lovely accent. He has. He's yeah. got a, he's got an accent you could spread on a crumpet. I like. Him yeah, to, to I... sing me to sleep in his lovely yeah. Welsh accent. Oh, I bet he's got a lovely singing voice. I bet he has. Yeah, Welsh Welsh ladies. Yeah. Oh yeah, all Welsh, Welsh ladies. They, not they, just they, they speak, like, uh, speak like Ruth Maddock. Well, there are exceptions. <laughs> so um, in Syndicate, what you'll do the climax of level one is it locks you in a subway station, which, by the way. Subway, st- subway terminals are not 40 feet long. They're like 150 feet long. Mm. The, this, the game doesn't have any respect for like the, <laughs> the spaces as real spaces. So, for example, in the first mission, you go into, um, you break into an office block and they have a rifle range right off the lobby. Which means if you were a visiting guest at this company, all you could hear would be the sounds of gunfire. <laughs> That's what it's like at Future. It's <laughs> mental. Like, it's not enough these days for developers to, to build a place that's good to fight in. You have to build a place that's good as a place for people to live and work in. You've got to believe the space. Mm. You know when you first walk into the lobby in that building in the Sarif headquarters in Deus Ex, you're like, wow, people, people work here, you know? People are yeah. doing business. You see people standing around talking, doing business. You see all the offices. You get a sense this is a, a place mm. of work. It doesn't matter that the lift only has two stops. It's just that you know, it's, it feels like a real play on it. Mm. Syndicate never does that. When it locks you into this, this place, what you'll find is on this subway, it does conveniently have waist-high cover, which is really lucky, because what they're going to do is they're going to open doors on different sides of the arena at different times, and guys are going to come out of it, and in total about 30 guys are going to come out, sort of three at a time. And once all of those guys have come out, a guy who's really, really strong and teleports about the place is going to come out. 
and he's going to soak up about 400 oh, rounds. I hate that guy. Mm. I hate it's him. always that guy. And the best part is, he'll be calling in more of his buddies while you're oh. fighting him. Sounds now, like a do, jerk. Do, do you know what the absolute best part is? That's as good as the game gets. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my issue with Syndicate wasn't, wasn't the, the, the detail that perhaps um, frustrated Mike, because Mike's a big Deus Ex fan. I just like really credible worlds. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I think Deus Ex did it really well, yeah. like the credible world. Um, it's, it was the boss battles. And it's a, such an old complaint in games. But they were Describe the boss fight you described to me. The, it is the climactic boss fight of the game. All of them were shit. But there was all of them. But there but was that one boss fight. Where the climactic one to the game goes like goes like spoilers this. Spoilers, everybody. Which is tune out for the next ninety oh, seconds. Well, if you don't want it spoiled, if you are getting the game, but don't get the game. You've got there's there's three bosses attack you at once, right? There's one douchebag who stands on this pillar and shoots you with a minigun all the time, and there's two mini douchebags <laughs> running round at ground level. <laughs> now, these mini douchebags have got a shield on which you need to hack and then you need to destroy at least half their shield otherwise it will regenerate completely in a few seconds. Mm. So that's the first thing that's quite annoying and there's obviously two of them mm. um, and I think you can probably see where this is going. Uh, they, the, the guy in the, with the minigun in the tower hacks the cover around you and lowers it so you can't, you can't sit and hide. You have to continually hack the cover and keep moving. Um, but, but the kicker, the absolute kicker, is that these two guys who are chasing you on ground level while the man sits in his ivory tower and sprays you with Wait the machine it. gun. Wait for it. Right? When they die, they get regenerated. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Now, I won't, I won't spoil the exact nature of how they regenerate because... You know, I went through so much pain trying to figure out how to beat them. I wouldn't want to deny anyone else the satisfaction <laughs> of figuring it out for themselves. Um, selfish, selfish. It's, it's, it's funny up. you say satisfaction, but your face says misery. Yeah, misery. Yeah. I, I like to watch people suffer, basically. <laughs> um, and it's just a catalogue of all the things that, that really piss people off about boss battles. <laughs> Just a, a one thing after the other. You know how in Deus Ex, everyone hate, loved Deus Ex, but everyone hated the boss fights? Yeah. It's like Starbreeze were the only ones in the world who were like, those boss fights are great. Yeah, yeah. we should definitely do boss fights <laughs> we should, like that. We should do more of those. There's, a, there's another one as well. Oh, God. You, when, you, when you kill a boss, what you train to do, what the game teaches you to do mm. throughout the game, is he goes, you kill him, you knock out his health bar after, he, after he's been a massive bullet sponge. And you go up to him and rip the chip out of his head. That's what you do when you've killed a boss. And hmm. it's the same throughout the game. The penultimate boss, you kill him, he goes down on his knees, you approach him to extract the chip, and he explodes. <laughs> and he kills you. And you have to repeat the boss fight. Oh, oh it's I mean, not part of the story that's, that he that's kills not, you. That's not a right. clever twist. <laughs> yeah. That's pissing people off. Yeah. That, that, is, that is something that says... I'm catching you out, gamer. <laughs> the yeah, joke's cheap. on you, mate. No, the joke's on you. I'm taking Syndicate back, and I'm not buying any more of your game. Oh, sounds... Now, I, it, it, it's, it's irritating. I, I went and saw Syndicate when when it was first announced, and the, the guys working there are lovely, and you know they're a great team. They've got a lot of spirit. They were sort of, and their tech talent is second to none. Their tech talent is brilliant, and they were they were telling me stuff about like when they made. Um, when they made Riddick, that was their big success story. And when they were when they were crunching Riddick, uh, a lot of the people 
they couldn't they couldn't pay half of their developers. That's the um, thing. And it's, these guys, it's worth pointing out that like uh, Starbreeze, they got Infinity Warded long before Infinity mm. Ward guy did it. You know, they lost most of their staff. Well, no, they they didn't. They didn't lose them. They kept the the at the end of Riddick. These guys kept coming back, even though they weren't being paid, huh. so they could finish the game. And then they released it, and then they all got hired because you know then they got uh, commissioned to do the darkness. But didn't most of the the bosses at that company naff off to set up a new company? Some of them have naffed yeah. off, yeah, yeah. And, and they you know, just leaving all the bad and ones. They took, they took a lot of guys <laughs> with them when they did it. I yeah. can't help but think Starbreeze have been given a short amount of time and and uh, an unreasonable amount of resources to make. Mm. Syndicate because they certainly I don't I'm pretty sure they didn't take the license on themselves and I think they've done what they can with it but and look how long they worked on Assault on Dark Athena mm. that was a long time they worked on that for a long time they worked on the original Darkness for quite a while I I, I feel that they've been sort of um, passed a bit of a poison chalice with Syndicate yeah. I mean it was a game no one wanted remade anyway and they've been given it told to get on with it within a very short time scale and I don't think they've been and now they've passed well that poison want. chalice on to the consumer in the form of syndicate. Well, so yes. thanks for that. <laughs> so I, you know, I, we we rag on it. I do feel yeah. sorry for them, but you know, syndicate. At the end of the day, syndicate not a great game. Matt, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing um, Azura's Wrath. Mm. Uh, can we talk about that? Yeah, I think we can talk uh-huh. about it. It's out in the states. Okay. Um, yeah, I won't. I won't spoil any story deets because it's kind of a story-focused game. Uh, it's made by CyberConnect uh, in in uh, collaboration with Capcom, who are the bods behind various Naruto games. The subtitles of which I can't remember because Naruto's got more. T- you know, it's like shippuden, stick it up your bum or whatever. It's all incredibly complicated. <laughs> you like Naruto, don't you? I like my Naruto. You're yeah. the guy who, of all people in the office, shows respect for Naruto. Yeah, I like a bit. That's I like a bit. Review, of Naruto. That's why back in the day we used to get used to review the Naruto games. Yeah, I like. I like a bit. Of, I like me a bit. Of to bother reviewing them. Yeah, I hate this. they're actually this. This is the thing that the the CyberConnect Naruto games. I don't think they're particularly good fighters, but they always had amazing boss battles because you'd always start mm. off with just one on one fighting, and then the character would it's unleash. The Ubisoft their... Naruto games, everybody really rates. Mm. Yeah, they're really good. They are really good, but the CyberConnect guys do get scale. They get the idea in in anime. You know, a lot of the teenage anime, the sort of shonen stuff, they call it. There's always this big focus on people having hidden power reserves that they dip into and then they transform into a bigger version and then a bigger version and a bigger version. And everyone watched it and they're like, this is ridiculous. They've had like 10 forms and now they're the size of a planet. And they did that in the Naruto bosses. But it's like they said, let's make a game with just those bosses. And and that is Asura's Wrath, which sounds amazing. You're like, oh, great. You know, giant bosses, the size of worlds. You know, I'm, I'm down with that. Though, unfortunately, they sort of forgot to sort of put any actually game in in it, uh, which is which is a slight problem. What what with this being the business of games and mm. all, um, it's a very weak brawler uh, in the vein of probably like God of War kind of, you know, strong attack, weak attack kind of thing. Uh, the, the whole focus of the combat is to build up this burst bar so that you can trigger a quick time event. So your objective in the game is to trigger a quick time event. It is the combat is a means to an end. That, that end being that you watch a cutscene and press some buttons. But the cutscenes are amazing. Like they are properly incredible. Like if they were just standalone anime, you'd be like, "That's really cool. It's a, re- it's a really good world, good mythology. It's all about these sort of." Uh, Ten kind of gods who are looking after this planet and but in fighting. So, with them being gods, that they can sort of 
transform into mad things. But there's a great demo of it on Xbox Live, which if you play that, you'll completely understand the full extent of the game because it's no more complicated than that. But, you know, I have, as a man, some six foot tall in the game, uh, that is, I am six and foot tall life, in real life, yeah. yeah, but in the game. I've, I have fought, you know, a man who is tall, you know, the size of the planet, and I've punched him really hard in his finger because uh, he was trying to crush me with his giant finger. And uh, As you have in real life. Yeah, well, yeah, that was in real life. That's how people fight you, though. Yeah, that is. Because you're, you're gigantic. That's how children fight so me. You're not six foot. <laughs> I don't foot. know why they fight me. Like, you're, like, you're, you're much larger than six foot. Yeah, space filling kind of yeah, that's, beast. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going for. But it's um, it's got a great style. Like it's completely style over substance. But you know, people say that a lot. But this really is style over substance. And I can't I can't really stress how how little gameplay there is. But at the same time, for considering the sort of amount of gameplay per second, I enjoyed it way more than I had any right to. I can't really recommend it because it's forty quid and about six hours long. Mm. Um, so you know, that's yeah. a problem. But at the same time, I've not ever played anything like it. Probably for the best that, that there's nothing else like it. Uh, well, it's you know there'll never be anything like it again, I would imagine. So it's like the very definition of a rental, I guess. Mm, it's such a weak. It's such a that is such a weak way of describing this game, which is so like full on to say like rent it. Asura's Wrath doesn't rent anything. Does, you know? Asura's Wrath punches a hole in the moon. It, yeah. Interesting. Have you ever rented a game? Yeah. Are you still uh, the next, day? Four a, a 360 game? Has anyone ever? No, rented? no, no. Would anyone ever try and rent one? Yeah, but we're in a oh. position of a uh, strange position working on the games. I, I, do, I just we wonder. See I don't and play every game that comes out. I don't like look, looking on the Facebook group and, and the Twitter and stuff. No one ever references renting games. I actually rented a couple of games uh, through Love Film because Love Film do game rentals as well. I rented uh, the Darkness back in the day. Uh, I remember. So I do, and that's actually a really good deal because you can keep it with mm. no late fees. So you you know, you, you don't know how long you're going to need a game. In, interesting little thing, just a little aside. Let leave leave us a message on the Facebook group if you rent games. Mm. Just let us know. We're just we're curious. I I, I personally I just want to know. Why you think you're setting up a game rental business? No, no. It's just, you know, it's like you say, research. like you say, no, like you say, it's it's, some, really it's something we uh it's, some, it's something we always say, ooh, it's the very definition of a yeah. rental. There's no point in writing that if no one rents games. But, this, but Well, but maybe they should pay attention. You know, I know Back I'm in talking the day, about... though, we didn't have to rent games because the, the game did a 10-day return policy. Remember that? Yeah. And when game did that? Mm, Jesus God, Christ. Man. You'd go into game, you'd be like, what new PS1 game <laughs> can I get this week? Oh, what's, that, what's out this week? Oh, Street Fighter 3, all right. You get you pick it... Well, not, I wouldn't have been that would Dreamcast. Anyway, you pick it up, you play it, you have some fun, you're like... Nine days later. The things you end up with this receipt, which has got like a history yeah. of returns on it, and they're like, "You cheap git! You brought one game like a month ago, and you've been trading on it ever since." Years long. How yeah. long can you the trade in trade in? Well, cycle you know what? Go? Speaking of game, and this is um, this is what I was going. This wasn't the, my talk about the PC earlier on. Wasn't just me talking about like, "Hey, check out what Mike's bought." Well, you should see some of the, the many fine things I've adorned my my flat with. No. It, um, it was kind of speaks to something that I've been finding more and more lately, which is I like to just play like proper games, but the way I want them and the place I want them. Mm. It's funny because last night, because we're recording on a Wednesday, and this is the launch day, Sony launched a new console dedicated to exactly that. Mm. Uh, you guys buying a Vita? Nope. No? No, I already have. Oh, right. Yeah, I've, got, <laughs> I've got mine. I really like it. 
You've, really, um, really, you, really like it. You played a few games on it, haven't you? Yeah, I've played quite I, a few I think, now. I think it's safe for us to talk about it because there's no Microsoft handheld. No, there's no it's Microsoft technically, handheld. Technically made by a competitor. And we, and you know, we've got guys on the Facebook saying, you know, who I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking of getting a mm. Vita. It's great, and I'm looking forward to getting it. So, Mike, you, you're the only one really qualified to say, is it worth getting? Uh, not at 250 quid. <laughs> but you have to because Asda are selling it for, I think, 190. Yes. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's Asda price. That's Asda price. <laughs> ching, ching. <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, I mean, that's that really is Asda price. And gamer do it with all their usual bundles and stuff. But as ever, the you know, think, think be selfish. Think in your pocket. It's... it's we can, we can do what you were saying last week. We can ask you to support the games industry. We can ask you to support as mm. best you can mm. and uh, make sure that you know, don't buy second hand, make sure money goes to developers and so on. But nobody's got any money right now. And you've still, you've yeah. got, you've got to think, think of number one. Um, you can get you can get a Pivita right now and you can have a lot of fun with the launch games. Mm. But it probably won't be the launch games you think you'd have fun with, that you would have fun with. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to go in and going to get, I want to get Uncharted. Well... Funny thing about the Uncharted game is that Naughty Dog, when they, they always say when they make an Uncharted game, they always throw it. And you've heard me guys, you, you guys have heard me say this in the office, but it's news to the readers, so don't just don't sigh too much, Matt Castle. Oh, right. uh, tell me more. I'm oh, intrigued. <laughs> um, it's lining up his snort. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> just intakes all, inhales all the air in the room. Um, we've got. When, when Naughty Dog make an Uncharted game, they throw away as much as they keep. Mm. Well, this game isn't made by Naughty Dog. It's made by Sony Bend, as another studio. And it really feels like all oh, the stuff that Naughty Dog threw away. That's what it feels like. It's like mm. if you had... If, it was on, if, it was, if Uncharted was a movie on a DVD, Uncharted Golden Thingy, whatever it's called, would be the de- deleted scenes. Yeah. It would be the outtakes. <laughs> and you'd watch it and you'd go, oh, that scene was cool. But I can see why they cut it. Yeah. Oh, that scene was cool. Oh, but I can see why they cut it. And mm. every level in the game feels like that. You're like, yeah. oh, this is amazing. It's beautiful. It's a full-on charter game. It looks incredible. It's as good-looking as any game I've seen on a proper console. But I can see why they didn't put it in, mm-hmm. in the proper game. So it's not Uncharted. It's, In fact, it's the, the Vita right now is for people who liked PlayStation games back in the day or have liked PlayStation games over the last few years. Just to say people who love a bit of Wipeout people who love Luminez because Wipeout 2048 is the best Wipeout and Luminez Electronic Symphony is the best Luminez Mm. and um, Super Stardust Delta is an even better version of Super Stardust and what you've got on there at the moment is lots of games which are from PlayStation history and they're really good versions of those games Mm. the game you want the machine for is Gravity Rush and that's not coming until May so in theory, what you could do is wait. You could wait until May, and you wouldn't be missing out on anything that's so urgent you need it right now. Mm. That game really is a game you can only play it on Vita, and it's a really great version of... the. You know, well, sorry, it's a, it's a really great game. Mm. The, all the other games are just great versions of games you can probably play somewhere else right now. You, you know, it's mm. your choice. The question, and a lot of people have been asking me, is should I get a Vita? The only answer I've got for that question is, you know, <laughs> is there a game on the system that you can just that is worth two hundred pounds to you? If there's a, one game on the system that's worth two hundred quid to you, then get it by all means. I mean, there's a game in the world worth two hundred quid to me. Remember the Neo Geo games when every uh, every <laughs> game was a yeah. two hundred pound game. 
people might not, people might not know this, but back in the day, there was a console-based system. The Neo Geo is actually essentially an arcade system yeah. in a box. The games were arcade quality games: Samurai Showdown, Fatal Fury, and was that something thirty-two bit Shock or something? Wasn't that what it used to come up at the start? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah some weird, like really cool sounding yeah. thing at the start. I don't. Know. I never had. I could still, myself. I could still hum the um the, the Neo Geo startup sound effect. I'm not going to, but I could. Um, <laughs> but I remember the, the startup very like vividly, and no one I knew had a Neo Geo, but every arcade you went to would have a Neo Geo. Mm cabinet in some way which is running samurai showdown or something but if you were if you were one of the few people who owned a neo geo home system the cartridges for it were 200 pounds oh man Blimey. That's, yeah. that's even rich for my oxford bear in blood. mind this is from the days though when snes games were 60 70 pounds a pop yeah like a, a super fx game could be 69 we were just also rich back then oh yeah we never that's every, great every, that's, that's not taking inflation into account as well yeah. so that's that 60 pounds back in like 1992 oh, i love the early 90s that would be like a 90 pound game now yeah. people have never had it so good but you know what Vita's an expensive machine make no mm. mistake the machine itself you don't like Vita do you Andy? no I don't I don't take any issue with the Vita tech well, this is what, the, the tech's what, nice this is what I was going to go on to but like, I, even, I think it's I think it, it's outdated and redundant before it's even launched even if you don't want like the games on it or even if you kind of just really quite the concept you cannot fault the hardware the hardware is amazing I don't fault the hardware I just think it's a bit outdated now. why is that though? well because like, maybe not out, maybe outdated is the wrong word I, I think that um, it just doesn't it just doesn't work in a in a world where you can get casual games on like a mobile phone or on a tablet Plus, your phone will like ring people up. It'll organise, you know. It'll do it'll do whatever you want it to. And, and Vita is a pure games machine. It's an expensive pure games machine uh, in a mobile space that's already sort of dominated by tablets and. I'm not entirely sure it's playing in the same space though. It's like this thing here. I got my iPhone. It's, in my it's hand, an extra thing in your pocket. Doesn't have any. Well, you definitely going in your pocket. That's what well, exactly. is not doing. But um, I'm looking. I've got this thing here, and I've got games on it. But they're distractions. They're not games. They're just, mm. they're just distractions. There's things you do where you're literally having a poo. Like, you're literally... You, you, you're you having a poo and you're like, I guess I'll play some Jetpack jet Joyride, you know? <laughs> or you're or you're on a bus and you're like, I've got five minutes to kill. I guess I'll play some... You're having a poo on a bus. I'll play some... <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that I'm having a poo. Yes, I'm, I'm having a poo, a poo in the library. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can do it with some Tetris. Well, you know what I'm saying now, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, so you it, like to poo everywhere. It's a, is that right? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> you should see the look on Mike's face right now. It's like my dad when I told him I was going to become a games journalist. <laughs> <laughs> you tell you what, you posh boys have all got that same story. Like yeah. every every person I saw, and I, what amazed me when I came to this industry was how many people went to private school and how many. I know you didn't. You went to a comp. Yeah. How many people went to private school and how many people went to real high grade universities. Mm. And I didn't. I went to a shitty comp and a shitty uni. But what amazed me when I joined this, this industry was how many people went to those, those things and how many of them told the same story, which is basically their parents are always saying to them, oh, so when are you going to get a real job then? <laughs> You're going to get a real job. And for me, it was exactly the opposite. It was like, my, my nan was like, my grandson, the writer... Have you got a copy of the magazine you're in, uh, Mike, so that I can show my friends and neighbours and everyone who will listen 
Your nan grand, doesn't read the filth you write. And my grandson's a writer. <laughs> oh man, my nan loves me. All I can, that's all I can say. There's a lot of love in, in working class families. That you, don't, you don't get in you posh boys families. Well, we don't. You know, we don't talk to each other. You know, we don't. We don't hug. We don't do anything like that. It's like Downton Abbey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's just very much like Downton Sil- Abbey. Silence and smouldering resentment. <laughs> you were telling a story the other day about your little brother swearing, right? Yeah. What what's, what was the story? People might appreciate it. Uh, no, no. Was, we were just we were just saying about a little. Uh, you know. Kids' parents swear. We were talking about swearing in the office. Yeah. You know, Tim Weaver was saying he d- he doesn't like to swear around. Tim's his got kids. A, a swearing embargo on it. Yeah, he he's, he's he given it up for Lent. He hasn't sw- <laughs> he hasn't said a cuss since Friday. Yeah, so he's not been swearing because he didn't want to swear around his kid. And I was just saying that we don't swear in our house. Like we're all quite strict. We're all quite nervous around my parents. But he goes to school and just picks up all kinds of horrific filth. <laughs> you know, and he's like nine. Also, yeah. he's tiny. And when you hear that language. Coming out of a nine-year-old, I, sw- I swear, ironically, that I wasn't as sweary at that age. I don't think I was started sw- oh, I swearing, I was, but yeah. I honestly think we were a sweeter generation. It might be might be different because you know you went to a rough school. Uh, <laughs> but you had to swear for your life in my school. But this is the thing, like I. I'd, like when we were like nine, if someone swore in the playground, like at lun- you know, then in the afternoon, he'd be like, "So and so said a swear at lunchtime at so and so," and you couldn't oh, believe it. No, that didn't happen in my school. That was like big news. I mean, the the funniest <laughs> thing you could do in my school was be, be like build a song around cursing. Right, and then like, sing it at the head teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not that. No, but then it was like it's, it was still a taboo thing. But it yeah. was like that's the, but, but now I, le- I learned a it. lot about mm. swearing from the. I had a friend, I'm not going to name his name, but let's just say, let's say his surname was Smith. It wasn't, but mm. the Smith brothers were like the, the feral wild children <laughs> of my school. Yeah. Like they were, the, they were the kids, they would come home from school, parents weren't home, they just took care of themselves. You know, parents would roll in late and mm. the Smith brothers were the feral wild kids of the school. And the stuff I learned about swearing from the youngest Smith, who was, I was friends with, who of course learned it all from his older brothers, just gold, just just gold. When you're when you're nine years old, absolute gold. The things you can introduce people, like you become like the the guy on top of the mountain. People comes to come to you and go, "What do you know about swearing?" And you're like, "Let me tell you." I know, Get I know, a load of this. Yeah. <laughs> they come away and they've grown a beard <laughs> from what they've heard. <laughs> yeah. But you know, going back to uh, Vita, because we, we were talking about about fifteen oh, minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, I think. yeah, that. Yeah, sometime in the distant past. It's kind of, um, it sort of speaks to the way I like to play games now, which is like any time I want to play games, I want to play the games I want to play. Mm. I don't want to be told like in the casual, in the handheld space, you will only play these kinds of games, mm-hmm. which are the time, the little little time breakers, you know, they, they sort of break up the five minutes between things when you're in the doctor's waiting room, when you're about to get your, your teeth pulled out at the dentist, mm. when you're on the bus, on the train, waiting for a whatever. Those games are only ever distractions. They're, they're, you know, people can talk as much as they want about how great a gaming platform iOS is. And it is great, but only because there's so much stuff, not because there's great stuff. Like, Vita's going to have proper games on a screen that's big enough for you to enjoy proper games on, with a control scheme that's appropriate for proper games. Mm, no. And that's what no other handheld has ever done. Ever done. Not even the 3DS. You say Vita's going to have proper games. That is the thing that's going to make or break Vita. Mm. It's either going to have proper games made for Vita or it's going to have cheap knockoffs that's of the current worry. gen games. And I just broke, like the PSP. The, PS, the problem with the PSP is what would happen. And Nate Dytum uh, from Official PlayStation said this really well in his review of um, FIFA. This up on uh, CVG right now. He said, well, if you played FIFA on a PSP 
and this is very true if you play it on any 3DS as well, you have to pretend that the last five years of progress haven't happened. You basically have to pretend you're playing FIFA 2005 and or PES 2005, and all the progress, all the things that have happened since, the physics, the handling, the controls, that hasn't happened. So you're playing one game on your TV and one game on your handheld. When you play FIFA on Vita, it's FIFA 2011. Not mm. 2012 because of the way deadlines work and so on, but it is FIFA 2011 without any concessions, without any omissions, without anything cut out. That is FIFA 2011. And if everyone sticks to what EA are doing with that, that model, Vita's going to be amazing. Mm. Because it's going to be the game, the system, where you will play Call of Duty at home and you'll play on your, with your friends online and then when you go for a little trip, when you go away from home, or when you're like, you know, even at Starbucks or whatever, you can break out your handheld and there's Black Ops 2, a scaled down port, but still a perfect version made by the same team mm. or like a sort of a break off team from the same team that plays exactly like a game you were just playing where all the skills you know carry over. That's what will make him break the PS Vita. Now, we're going to uh, do our five-minute warning special. Uh, this is replacing the reader questions section, and it's basically we've picked some of the topics that you guys have suggested, and we're going to talk about them for five minutes exactly. Uh, Mike's standing by with a really obnoxious alarm noise yeah. to let us know when our five minutes are up. This was supposed to be a really cool alarm noise, but I was foiled by Apple this morning, so it's just going to be a default Apple sound from the, um, from the iPhone <laughs> sound files. It was going to be something cool. In fact, I was going to do a selection of like video game game over sound effects. Mm. Instead, um, Apple, the, the, um, my, my Mac at work said, if you want to transfer these tracks over to your iPhone, we're going to delete everything else on your iPhone. <laughs> so I said, no, how about no? How about you just have this instead? Oh, come <laughs> on! <laughs> Oh, tasteful. I look forward to hearing that noise a lot. Yeah. So, the first, the first, first question is, and just Mike's ready with the timer. Yeah. And this is a, this is one for you, Matt. Oh, okay. Philip Hill asks, what game has not been made that you wished had? Maybe a TV, movie, book, or comic book adaptation. Interesting. Discuss. That is an interesting question. Are we good to go? We're good yeah, to we're go. Going. We're on the clock. Let's talk about something I want to see. Let's. <laughs> let's what do I want to see? I'd love to see. I'd love to see a video game of the comic oh, book Preacher. That's what I'd like to see. You know what? Preacher was supposed to be like an HBO series years ago. Mm. That, that show never happened. But in the wake of The Walking Dead, don't you think it so should? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, my God, the world's ready for it. We're, we're show, living in an aggressive, t- you know, an age where you can do all kinds of, uh, you know, horrible things on TV. So why not Preacher? Uh, but I'd like to see a Preacher video game because, you know, his, uh, for those that haven't read Preacher, he has the, uh, he's a Preacher, the, who has the, uh, <laughs> the voice of God in him. And he, whatever he says to you, you have to do. Now, what a horrific special ability that is. And how amazing would that be with, like, connect voice recognition? The one of the more famous moments from the book is he asks a guy to, uh, he tells a guy to count the grains of sand on the beach. Mm. He said, actually, you know what, you can stop it. You can stop at three million. And then just walks off. Just and it's, 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 it's like 25 issues later that character reappears yeah. with, a massive, <laughs> with a massive beard and long hair. But imagine if you say that in the game, where you're just into a room and you're like, you, shoot that guy. That's the sort you. of mechanic that someone like Suda could do something yeah, cool. exactly. Absolutely bar me with that's what I'd like to I see I thought you'd go with something more like um, like a sort of Phoenix Ray sort of cause when well, you that already be, exists yeah but I know <laughs> but I would like to play kind of um, 
You know, that's the thing, Eleanor didn't go far enough for me. I'd like to play a detective game where you really do some detecting, you know, some really smart detective shit, mm. which is to say it can go awry. Like the, um, the detective moments in Eleanor are massively contrived. Mm. You basically mm. can't lose them, or rather you can't even advance the story until you've collected the clues that you need to, to get on with it. Looking for a game that actually does that, but has kind of fail states, but then let, does the law and order thing of let you taking it to trial. Oh, so you could you could, blow it in the, you, you could blow it in the trial as well. Oh. If you know with law and order, where it was, you, you sort of see the, uh, you see the investigate the case, and it sort of hands off to yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. courtroom. That'd be all right. Yeah, but if, if all your evidence is weak and they just chuck it out. Exactly, yeah. Or be like, you know, when you were gathering that evidence, you just you didn't use the tongs to pick up. Your fingerprints are all over that gun. And they're like, the evidence is compromised, Your Honour, you know? The, the, the shoddy, shoddy police work, it makes the evidence worthless. My client has to be let off on technicalities. Could, could you also, but like in the court sections, could you also pull off sort of like really gimmicky, sort of pulling the heartstrings? You know, like at the end of the law films where someone always gives the powerful speech, even though all the evidence says X person is murderer. Yeah, it's a Bioware job, that, right? You've got the, yeah. old, the old Bioware yeah. conversation wheel, so yeah. you can start... You know, so it's, yeah, I think that would be good. A big emotional. You can you can handle the truth. You can actually break. Yeah, you can actually say that, and that yeah. could be an achievement for saying that. Yeah, I'd be up for that game because I thought I was hoping whether the Phoenix Wright would be that game, but it's, yeah. kind of, it's definitely not. No, no, definitely not. But that game is is possible. Mm. It's a big design ask though. What game yeah. would you like to see made, Andy? Um, there's a couple actually. One one I'd quite like to see, which was going to be made, and then they scrapped it. Was uh, Lord of the Rings done as Skyrim? Because oh, EA yeah. were working on like an open world Lord of the Rings. Lord job. of the Rings. Oh, you know what I really want. And I said this before. Um, a Total War Middle Earth. Yeah. Oh my God, a Middle Earth game. Uh, the Total mm. War engine. So you mm. playing as hobbits, playing as a, a wizard, playing as even like the the armies of Mordor. Mm. You could be. You move your pieces across the map, taking over more and more of Middle Earth. You sort of yeah, felt like areas could include the Shire and stuff like that, and mm. Isengard, and controlling those areas give you access to different troops, different powers, and so on. You're researching new things. You're researching like the genetics uh, stuff, which lets you breed Urukai and that kind of thing. <laughs> you're you're, re- you're researching magic. Stuff like that. I mean, this is what you do in yeah, Total War games. You research yeah. archery. You Maybe research- that's one for the next gen because then, with with the technology that they might have, you could zoom in and play it at a micro level, a little bit like Skyrim. So you could zoom in and play as one character, and then zoom out and play. Well, you as know like what? Um, the latest uh, Shogun Total War game is has de- is that detailed. You mm. know, there's, they're just a controller away from that, and you take take hold of one of those guys in the battlefield. So that might actually happen. I mean, you could. I don't even really sure I want to do that. I just want to capture those epic battles from the Peter Jackson movies, where you've got like you know these massive, massive armies of these crazy orcs and Rokai guys mm. going up, throwing themselves at Helm's Deep. You know. What a moment in a game that would be. That's 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 the very game for would me. Would you have Orlando Bloom surfing around on his shield? Yeah, sure, why not? Really? Yeah, why not? Oh. Let, let the boy surf. Yeah. Let the boy surf. <laughs> let the boy, let the boy surf, as, as Gandalf the, would that's say. That's the line in the movie, isn't yeah. it? That's the famous line. <laughs> he shall surf! Yeah. <laughs> everyone's, uh, everyone's winding down because they could see the time. <laughs> I'm right. really it's nervous about that towards, ticking clock. It's actually going towards... It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's interesting being on the clock. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah, like a, t- a Total War Middle Earth game. Or oh, Preacher, amazing. or Law and Order. Yeah. That was amazingly well timed. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, almost professional. Uh, Matt, you've got a, you've got a question. Pick yes, one uh, this is from Jason Toon uh, or Ton. No, I think it's Toon. Uh, it's uh, if you could pick pick one game to erase from history, and what would happen to the timeline? I, I presume of history. 
as yeah. opposed to yes, yeah, so yes. What happens to history if you erase? Yeah, I had to, I had to sort of chop it. Yeah, up. yeah. So, uh, what, what would you, what would you erase from history, and how would Ooh. it change history? It's a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. <laughs> it's a big question. He says, chuckling and hands over the. Yes, you you can answer that one. Um, pass. Just instantly pass the buck. I can tell you what I'd give up. What? Go on. I'd I'd delete Fable Three from history. So that we'd go back to a universe where people were excited for a new Fable game. That's what I'd do. That's how history would be rewritten. Why did Fable 3 kill Fable? Oh, because it was just dump. It had, um, it was so simplified. You know, they'd stripped away. And I like the whole, let's make a streamlined RPG. But he took away so much stuff that it began to, you know, may as well not exist as a game. You know, it was more interested in what coloured trousers you were wearing as opposed to actually being a hero. I just felt it too, felt too limited. And I loved Fable 2. I was so looking forward to Fable 3. It was a big disappointment. You know, a few years ago, I probably would have said, I'll erase Invisible War, Deus Ex 2, mm. from history. But in actual fact, I think the lessons taught by Invisible War really helped make Human Revolution right. a great game. So I don't want that gone. I've got one. I've got one. Mm. And it would probably wipe out half the games in existence. Get rid of the first Dynasty Warriors. Really? Yeah, really. Just oh, get rid of it. I've got a little soft sort of spot for that. No, wipe it out. Just imagine how many games you'd cull. It's what? just unthinkable. Think- it's like 20 or th- 30 or 40 games. Just what gone. You, you could, mm. what, you sh- what you've got to be thinking is, because the first Dynasty Warriors games were more like Final Fight, mm. so you, you'd probably really want to go back further and take out Double Dragon, Final Fight. No. Bad News versus Dragon Ninja. Out- if you take out the right game, it's going to take out all of those games. Why, and why if- would you want to? Well, here's the thing. If you don't take those out, so, like the Dynasty Warriors is still going to emerge in some way, but maybe not in like the sort of Chinese <sighs> fantasy kind of you get- Room of Three Kingdoms thing. Mm. Maybe it would have gone off in like, you know, it would have been <laughs> street punks in LA just in yeah. Metro City fighting one another. The fact is the genre would have come about. You get the feeling Omega Force would find a way to make Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> Somehow, if, you know, even, even if it was wiped from their minds, they'd be thinking, there's a game I should be making, perhaps involving... Japanese mythology. <laughs> it'd be like, where that, it'd be like that where moment I'm on a battlefield and there's a lot of fog. It'd be like the moment in the butterfly effect when like Ashton Kutcher walks past the girl on the street and she looks at him and he looks at her and they both yeah. know something's missing. They can't quite put their finger on what it is. Thing is, if you got rid of Dynasty Warriors, uh, yeah. you'd also get rid of Samurai Warriors, which is the Japanese spin-off. But if you got rid of Dynasty Warriors, you'd upset an awful lot of ladies because this is an interesting little fact about the Dynasty Warriors uh, series. It's the it's ladies' almost, game of choice. It's almost fifty percent of the fan base are, are women because they absolutely love the mythological heroes from Chinese and Japanese history. They're obsessed with them to the point that on Valentine's Day, uh, as one of the developers said, they get sent loads of gifts for these historical heroes to like pass on. So like care of Omega Force. Please give this these chocolates to Nobunaga or whatever, and they 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 go okay. Yeah, we pass them on. He said you're really hot. Thanks, <laughs> and they just be scoffing all these chocolates down. Think of all the, the sad Japanese women. I'm, I'm equal opportunities. I'll upset men and women equally. Yeah, but you'd only be upsetting the women. No, you'd upset the men as well. A lot of men, a lot of men. That's I don't think 50%. the men send them chocolates. No, I mean, it's in, an honor based society. In, in that Japan, shit doesn't go down. That's weird though, because in Japan. I think I think I, I, oh God I don't know I might be getting this wrong but Valentine's Day is the day women tend to give presents to men and white no Valentine's Day is the day men men give presents to women and White Day is the day women give presents. Maybe to men. Maybe I'm confusing it. Maybe it is White Day. Yeah, but, but even so, women would be sad because they're fictional game heroes. Don't if you exist. wiped out um, the opposite end of things, like because on Valentine's Day is when 
a lot of the um, the Japanese forums go wild with guys giving like presents to their idol master girlfriends oh, yeah. stuff like that. Oh, you'd zap them. Yeah. <laughs> think of how low you could destroy pretty much the whole. I, th- I think if you found the right game, you could probably kill the entire like otaku culture. Yeah, God, <laughs> like, the right what, romance sim. What game would it'd probably be something like Wizardry though? Like you'd say it's like That's the thing. If you, if you killed Wizardry, you'd definitely kill Dragon Quest because it inspired Dragon Quest. You'd kill the, you'd, the you'd Japan's kill, obsession you'd, with JRPGs. You'd kill Skyrim. You'd kill. You'd, you'd yeah. kill every if you killed. Uh, wizardry you would kill every Dungeons and Dragons style no. RPG that came ever since if you if you could go back in time and assassinate wizardry would you do it nah too much goods come from it I'll tell you mm. what, what I would I might go back in time and assassinate the um, Command and Conquer games or what was the RTS <laughs> what was the RTS that came before Command and Conquer there was mm. one I forget but it was there was one that came before it because I would love to have seen a generation of turn-based strategy games picking up where XCOM left off. Right. Because what happened was XCOM was like the last done. <laughs> <laughs> the brutal five-minute warning has spoken. Oh man, it sounded like Mike was about to make a really interesting point. Oh well, oh, readers. Oh well, that's the curse <laughs> of the five-minute warning. It's the rules of the game. Yeah. I will wrap up by just sort of saying it's like it was the sort of last of that era. But it could have been the first of a new era. Right. And it's got cut off by RTS. But you'll never know, Mike. We'll never know. Pick a question. Uh, Okay. So, Will Gleason asks um, What are the the worst games each of you, each of you, including me, has ever bought with their own money? Mm hmm. Hmm. The worst game I ever bought, and I was a kid and I was stupid, and this was before I was really into. it took me a while to get into like games magazines and become a knowledgeable gamer. I used to be one of the sheep who'd go in and literally if a box Look says, at the it's got 100 levels, you'd be like, that sounds great. Yeah. I love 100 levels. <laughs> um, so I'd be that guy. And I bought a game, I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard of it or you can remember it. I bought a game on PC called Heads. <laughs> Spell H-E-D-Z. Uh, Heads. No. And the whole concept of oh, it was no. that you... It was a de- like a deathmatch game, except you collect, when you killed people, like you wore these masks, and each mask you wore, or head, heads mm. even, changed your character's persona, so like you'd become like a boat, and then it would shoot out like... Sea water or some some crap like that, but I literally got this thing and thought, oh, that sounds cool. And on the back, it was like there are three hundred heads in the game, and I'm, I'm literally thinking, wow, three hundred heads. Think how much fun I could have with that many different heads. Mm-hmm. I bought it and I played it for about five minutes <laughs> and thought, oh, these heads are awful. I hate all these heads, <laughs> and uh, yeah, never played it again. Awful game. How much did it cost? Uh, probably about thirty quid. Oh. <laughs> it was like a proper saving up my pocket money. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I bought it from an independent game store in Basingstoke. So thanks for that, staff of that store. <laughs> the worst one I've bought with my own money. I mean, it, I, I, it, was when, it was when I was young, so it wasn't my money, but I, I, I nagged my parents and asked for it for my birthday. It was Rise of the Robots on PC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. You didn't fall for the edge card, yeah, did that's, you? That's, a, that's <laughs> a legendarily bad game. You, you know when, you know when you, you, it's, it's the same feeling as when you, you go out, like you go out to a, a restaurant <laughs> or something. I can't believe we know someone who bought Rise of the Robots. <laughs> it's me. You go out to a restaurant or something and, when you're young and, and you nag your parents and say, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. And, and it turns up and it tastes like absolute garbage and you have to sit there and eat, to, it, eat it and you it just have to take it. Yeah. It's, it was like that with Rise of the Robots. <laughs> I started playing it, I thought, 
Oh God, this is awful! <laughs> but because because I'd gone on about it for so long and, and nagged him, I, I had to sit there and pretend to be enjoying it. I, I got to say, I remember getting Rise of the Robots being previewed in Games Master back in the day and being like, "This game looks amazing! Oh my <laughs> God, look at robots!" They're rising. rising. They're fighting each other. And you can be, you're like a cyborg, super humanoid <laughs> robot, and you, you've got to fight this like street fight with ro. And I remember um, being like, Man, that's, the, that's the very game for me. And then it came out, and it, be, it, was, it the word spread like wildfire. And the days before the internet, word spread like so quickly. This game is garbage. Don't, 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 yeah. Forget it. Don't even touch it. It's just poison. It's poison. The message didn't reach you. Did it? <laughs> it didn't reach me in time. I was there pressing the one button to do the punch, oh. the only punch move in the game. That's hard. While, while my opponent tried to punch me in the same way. Back oh, in the SNES horrible. days, I was just I, Super Effects was so hot, man. It's like to, talking about <laughs> talking about Super Effects was literally like it was it was like what the next gen systems are now. Like mm. oh my god, what is possible with Super Effects? The world is your mm. oyster. SuperFX was the SNES chip, which let you do 3D graphics, mm. and I was get, uh, I was headed out to get. Um, uh, I mean, everyone was waiting for the next one. Star Fox came along, and Nintendo were really slow at following it up with uh, Stunt Race FX. Mm. And along came a game called Vortex. Oh, I've not heard of that. Now, Vortex was one of the big hyped games because it was it had massive. It did the thing which you always wanted Star Fox to do. You have massive open battlefield, so you mm. could dra- just go travel anywhere. And you could transform into like four different forms: robot, plane, like car, and something else. Which is, <laughs> horse, I, I don't know, horse, yeah. blob. And I went to game to get. I can tell you, it was in Bristol, game in Bristol, which isn't open anymore. Uh, and it was right at the front of the store on the right-hand side, and it was on a high shelf. And I took it down, and it was sixty-five pounds. Sixty-five pounds. 60. That's a lot of scratch. That is a lot of scratch. It's <laughs> a lot of Mr. Scratch. Yeah. Picked up. Years later, I would pick up Rogue Squadron on the N64 in the exact same place. Mm. That was a strong purchase. But I had to buy the <laughs> um, I had to buy the uh, expansion cartridge with it, which elevated the price to something yeah. like 90 quid. And that's even but I got my money's worth from that. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, but Vortex, got it home, tried to enjoy it, found it was basically the hardest game in the world. <laughs> brutally, brutally <laughs> unbalanced. <laughs> Uh, you couldn't have a draw distance of basically from here to the end of my hand, and it was it apparently just completely unplayable. <laughs> I had, to, had to put in the local free ads paper, you know, trade oh. it, get rid of it, dump it. Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's a yeah. really, it's like yeah. when you when you your own money on the line. It's absolutely heartbreaking. That was quite well timed. Again, almost professional. That was a good five minute warning. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I see Mike has abbreviated this one. Uh, Andrew Jaffa Cake McKenzie simply says paintballing. No, that was what he said. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Paintballing! Paintballing. <laughs> hey, Mo! Now, <laughs> we did discuss whether or not to leave this topic in, but we all decided we had a paintballing anecdote within yeah. the office. So, this this topic shouldn't be too disappointing. No. Because be right. uh, if none of us had been paintballing, we'd be just be sat here doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, go on then, paintball. All go. right, okay. Uh, my paintballing story is I actually went paintballing for my stag do. Um, when was this? Oh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, we went out the night before, 
in Exeter. Went to did the Topsham Ten. I don't know if any of you from Exeter know that. It's ten ten pubs, ten points. We did it quite quickly. Everyone was incredibly drunk. Legendary. No one wanted to go paintballing the next day. <laughs> yeah. No one wanted to go. Yeah. Um, early we, start when you go paintballing. Yeah, 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 early stick. start. Yeah. Uh, it was it was brutal all day. It was brutal just just staying awake and like wading <laughs> through the streams with a paintball gun. I just felt like I wanted to die. And then um, it concluded because I was the stag. They had this little hut which mm. like was the base, basis of one of the games. It was a base that you had to attack or defend. Well, um, they do this they do that thing at the end whereby um, to use a paw you paint the the stag and a person of his choice had to hide in the hut while everyone else just went and fired bullets into it. <laughs> so, um, That's like a horrible oh. paintballing. So, uh, yeah, it was it was sort of, you know... it's us bruise the stag up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I selected the uh, the smallest, most feeble uh, person you with me. Picked, should have picked the biggest so you could hide behind them. Well, the, the, the guy I selected was sort of like a... Not, not. He's, you know, he's, he's a lovely guy, and everyone likes him. Sort mm. of the joke figure of the group. There's always so, one. There's always one friend who's like, he's, you know, as much as everyone likes him, it's the figure of fun. Yeah. So that deflected a lot of the fire yeah. away from me, which was nice. <laughs> oh, excellent. That's my uh, that's my paintballing story. I went uh, paintballing on a friend's birthday, and we had give, we were given a set amount of paintballs, and then if you wanted more paintballs, you had to buy paintballs as the day went on, but I didn't take any money with me. <laughs> so I, I, I began towards the end of the day, I was really running low on paintballs. I literally had like three or four rattling around inside the gun. And the guy who hosted the paintball day at the start, they explained some rules, you know, don't like shoot when someone's mask's off or don't, whatever. But one of the rules was... If you find paintballs on the ground that someone else has dropped, do mm. not put them in your paintball gun because we often change our ammunition and it's always different sizes for different guns. Yeah. So it doesn't always work. It goes soft as well. And I was, I, so I was low on bullets and I found a huge mountain of bullets. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. I'll put these in my gun. Now, actually, turns out they were the right size. It was fine. But when I was putting them inside the gun, I also managed to get a, st- a twig <laughs> stuck inside the barrel of the gun. So every time I fired, the bullet would hit the stick and just come out the end as like a, as like a little oh. cloud of orange gas. Oh. So all I, my only chance of getting, up to, was of getting anyone out was standing right next to them, hitting them with so much orange paint gas that it might look like <laughs> they'd been hit. You're basically spray painting them. Yeah, basically, I was like the most ineffective soldier ever. I'm the soldier who got sticks stuck inside his gun. <laughs> I um, I went to Ubisoft's uh, abortive uh, end war paintball event, mm. which received such a tiny attendance. It was like eight of us, and um, of those, like five of them came from like the forums. He just they just put out an open invitation that, <laughs> that morning. <laughs> So it's, so it's a bad start, and we get together, and they're like, "All right, so guys, uh, uh, who wants to play more?" And of course, all the guys who hadn't played, who were the, from the community, were like, "Yeah, I'll play more." So they play them more, and we're standing around, and you're in the middle of nowhere, and it's freezing. Hmm. And that's the thing: never go paintballing because two rules, two rules in the games business: never go for an, uh, an, uh, an event in the country, never go to an event on a boat. Once you're there, you're trapped. Mm. Until everybody else leaves, you are trapped. It's a classic, classic games journalist will never go to an event on a boat. Never go to an never. event on a boat. So we went, we went eventually in the mid afternoon. We started fire. We started firing off some rounds. They actually brought in some guys who were like regular paintballers to sort of to make up the numbers. Mm. And there was a, a fella. I'm not sure who he was. He was um he wasn't from the community. He ran some blog, I think. And he was um. He, 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 me and Pellet were going along together because Pellet was there. Hmm. 
And me and Pellet were going along. We both had our guns at the ready. And he comes... We were hiding. We were just, like, literally hiding in a bush because we were massively outclassed by all the mm. pro paintballers we were up against. And this dude, who was on the other team, comes sprinting along in front of a big white wall. <laughs> you see, and I've told this story before. <laughs> but me and Pellet go... And so both popped up, and he, he st- stops, looks at us, freezes <laughs> and we emptied our guns it was like a cartoon it was like it used to be like, you know like the, the sort of the bat fink thing where it's like bullet holes all yeah. around him he it's like got... sonny corleone getting it in the godfather yeah. it's over <laughs> yeah he was the guy was head was painted like whatever color was from head to toe and the wall behind him was, was a perfect outline of a round man it's <laughs> wonderful uh we got a, we got a, a question or a five minute warning. What are we actually calling these things? Topics. Topics. We have a topic now from into Oxford. From uh, well, but we didn't do podcasts at Oxford, uh, you know. So uh, this is from Dave Bishop, and he's asked us to each put something into room one hundred and one, which is obviously back now with Frank Skinner. Really? Very, yeah, it's, it's actually quite good. New room one hundred and one because they have three people, and every the, round the, they're the competing to get their rotten. thing. In. Yeah, but now they have three people each trying to get something on a topic oh, in, and only them. one can go in. So they each make a case for like why their most um. hated animal should go in or whatever. And um, yeah, it's, but there you go. I'm not advertising BBC. It was all right. It's quite funny. Mm. What would you put into room well, BBC wouldn't advertise us, would they? Not allowed. No. So we're just at a sort of Mexican standoff. <laughs> 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 like I'm not promoting you. You're not promoting me. Yeah. Anyway, what would you guys put into room one at one? Doctor Who. Oh, really? Crap. How would you justify that? Pretend I'm Frank Skinner. What would you say to me? So, <laughs> Doctor Who is um, is what Britain did when America was doing Star Trek. Mm. Star Trek is an uh, absolutely iconic, uh, genre-defining franchise. It, you know, Star Trek defined sci-fi. It took the best sci-fi stories in the world and Star Trekified them. It actually brought in guys like Harlan Ellison and stuff to take mm. stories they'd already written and, and, and basically put the, the, the Star Trek characters into that world. It spawned iconic characters like Spock, Kirk, Uhura, Scotty, you know, and the others. Sulu, <laughs> and the other Chekhov. one. Chekhov, I can keep yeah. going. They're, they're all iconic. There's not a single character in Star Trek who isn't an iconic character mm. from that first that original series. When we revived next to Star Trek as the next generation, it was, again, it defines that, that, year, that mm. period. It mm. set up this future that was hopeful. It was a real, it was creative. It was expensive. It was a quality yeah. show, a classy show. Doctor Who is never anything but the cheapest possible TV made on the smallest possible budget by a company has hopelessly outclassed by American money, American production values, and American talent. And when we oh. were, and when we revived Doctor Who, yeah. it was this it's this ostentatious children's show with the worst special effects on history with the biggest budget imaginable. Send it to the 101. Yeah, but what about the he's he's nice, uh, good actors, charismatic actors, but no, Sylvester McCoy, for example. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought the reboot of Doctor Who started out okay, but the the new stuff with Matt Smith is just ludicrous. Children's oh, I thought, TV I thought the first great season nonsense. of Matt Smith Charlie was great. Brooker said it right. There's too much capering on the show. Yeah, <laughs> too much capery. Yeah, it's a jolly romp, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's silly. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take its own sci-fi premise seriously. No. And the funny thing is, though, one of the Doctor Who's did take us off too seriously. That was the um, the Paul McGann Paul one. Paul McGann one. Well, that was rotten. Yeah. Eric, Eric Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you put into Room 101, Andy? Oh, um, with Doctor Who. <laughs> along with Doctor Who. Uh, 
pigeons. I don't like pigeons. I'd put oh, them in the room when I want. You both do pigeons, wouldn't you? I hate pigeons, especially living in Bath. They just swoop in at you. Urban goals. They've got no. They've got no fear of man. They've got you no should, class. <laughs> you should. Um, well, we should tell people your pigeon, your pigeon story sometime. Yeah. I um. I once. I. I went went to a restaurant once and, and ordered pigeon just so I could eat one. Really? Because I really don't like them. I, I didn't like it very much, actually. To be honest, it was a bit too gamey for me. But so, so the pigeon, <laughs> so the pigeon had the last laugh. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Jokes look, on you. You're like, you oh god, like my flesh. This is like, you know, when you buy Rise of the Robots, <laughs> yeah. and you have to sit and pretend you're enjoying. <laughs> I felt like I was eating Rise of the Robots all over again. <laughs> It'll call back to earlier. There. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's I'd, good. I'd probably put those. Um, you know, those little caffeinated shots that you can get. <laughs> those little energy, oh, yeah. energy things that you those. can get in you garages drink them. get them in there they're stupid they're <laughs> absolutely stupid if, if you have a caffeinated <laughs> shot in a garage you are not good to drive for the next hour yeah. all, all you are is a, is a very tired person who's going to be wired for five minutes and crashing into someone the next I just, I just think they're crap what are you Matt Castle? Uh, I'd put in the music sensation stomp <laughs> I freaking hate Stomp like you do have no idea how much I hate these guys because we used to have this joke in our household Stomp being the guys who bang bin lids together and yes. like brush brush mm-hmm. they basically do street cleaning except they do it in like time to a beat so all of a sudden it becomes art um, but it's actually just what it is it's a load of like drama school like recent graduates who can't get roles as cats, you know, who can't get roles in fame, you know, Starlight Express even, you know, so they have to resort <laughs> to banging. Couldn't skate. But, yeah, they couldn't, couldn't even. Sing. They wouldn't even cast them as a freaking roller skating roller skating train. Yeah. So, so they have to go to Stomp, which is basically banging bin lids together on the Royal Variety performance every year, and I just it grinds my gears so much. Cause it's so crude. It's such a crude sound. And so, does Matt Castles get in? Yeah, I, I think I think Stomp has to go in definitely. Yay! Yeah, I think Stomp's going in too. No. Well, you and me, you and me, what does this get in? Yeah, pigeons. Pigeons, yeah. Oh, caffeinated shots. No, that's no. stupid. Well, imagine not. Doctor Who drinking them in Room 101. And yeah. what about Doctor Who quickly? On Stomp. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about the Doc? Yeah. You oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we can put him in. Yeah, yeah, shove him in, yeah. Brilliant. There we go. I'd, I'd prefer to see the Matt Smith version of him wheeled in. Can, can we make oh, that if compromise? You're, if you're discussing which doctor goes in, like that's a bit unfair on the, if, you know, no, so, so they're all the same guy. Right, they're they? all the same guy. I just want to see him go in in his Matt Smith form. So you want Matt Smith to fall into room? Like, yeah. I assume you fall down that chute. You guys are suckers, man. My argument was basically I want to put Doctor Who in because it's not Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good argument. I'm, I'm fine with Doctor Who going in. Just... I want to put Stomp in because it's not Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> suckers. <laughs> adding, adding a sense of class to this podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Mike. All right. <laughs> um, this was kind of a call back to um, to what you guys were talking about last week, which I wasn't here for, but I thought it was really interesting. Dwayne McPherson says, um, "Do we design the uh, perfect game shop?" We talked a lot about how game shops these days are just basically like these horrible jumble sales, staffed by people who don't really care or know anything about the product. That's actually not true. I know a few, quite a few people who work at game. They really do love the product, but. You know, they're essentially they're told they've got to upsell you on like manuals, not manuals, you know, the game guides and that kind of thing. Let's design our perfect game shop. We've got five minutes starting now. All I right. think a perfect game shop has to be a social, as much a social space as it is like a place to buy swag. Like, if you think about like, I'm thinking about comic shops here. People go into comic shops and they just chat shit about comics. And it needs to be like that. You need to have that kind of atmosphere. You need the kind of people who love to talk about games. Mm. Not socially awkward types are just, uh, or, you know, not types that are just looking for a decent, like, shop job. It has to be someone who can go 
and do the thing you were talking about like oh, don't buy that mate don't buy that that's no good mm. and it needs a good buyer the thing that made GameStation so great back in the day and a friend of mine used to work for GameStation is they had an amazing buyer mm. when that stuntman came out everyone from the guys who made Driver mm. everyone was saying it's the next big thing this is going to be hot now the buyer at GameStation was like it's no good it's not going to sell I guarantee it's not going to sell they were the only shop that didn't allocate a massive number right. every other shop had huge numbers that way if you had a buyer like that you could have a guy, and by a buyer, I mean basically you're talking to independent shots. It's going to yeah. be one guy. You would, you could say, well, when someone comes in and says, well, why haven't you got Rise of the Robots? You can say because, much like eating a good meal, you would have to, uh, <laughs> you would have to sit and pretend you're enjoying it, but you actually wouldn't enjoy it. So we actually haven't bought any allocation of that. Hmm. It's not like game currently saying, yeah, we're not stocking any uh, Ubisoft games because uh, we couldn't get a stock on time. When actual fact, they haven't got the money to buy the stock. It would literally be you saying. We don't we don't want to stock certain games. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to mm. stock quality games, but we're also going to stock niche games that we think people should play. Mm. And we'll do that Waterstones thing where people recommend games. Oh, yeah? I was going to say, yeah, I was, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say that's one thing I'd like to see is is uh, in Waterstones they have a wall of handwritten recommendations, yeah, handwritten stuff, and it, it's just quite a nice shop experience to go in there and have a little hundred words, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh yeah, it's quite a good argument. I've never heard of this book before, I, you know, and so and so says it's got loads of good murders in it. I, I've it. never done this, but I like the idea that maybe you could look at it and see like, oh, Andy recommends um, Rise of the Robots, and you could go, okay, Thoroughly. you could go, okay. Um, Hey, is Andy in the shop today? And you're like, yeah, just go get him. And he comes out, he's like, oh, what's up? You, you asked me, he's like, yeah, dude, this game's pretty cool, right? He's mm. like, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. And he can tell you all about it. And yeah, yeah. Like that, that connection <laughs> between seller and buyer is, I think, really important. In the age of the internet, which is completely depersonalized shopping, the only thing the high street can do is offer like a personal experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think what I'd like to see, and you, you might sort of cringe a little bit at this, is sort of make it a little bit more like the Apple store. And where you, where you you turn up, it's a nice space to be in, not a bat cave. Yeah. And you, you turn up, and you know there's there's quite a lot of TVs set up, and you can just you can pick a game off the shelf, maybe one that Matthew Castle's recommended in his little handwritten note, and say, yeah, can I can I just play this for Heads, like five maybe. or ten minutes? Yeah. Heads. And just be in a nice <laughs> in a nice space, a nice sort of clean mm. space, playing a game. Thinking, yeah, we'll see. Have some yeah, chairs I, there I enjoyed and... that. Yeah. Mate, I mean, you know, you could even go as far as have a, look, a little, maybe like a little coffee shop or something and where you can mind, sit you've down. Bear in mind, you got to make money. And the reason independent game stores don't, don't really survive is because it's hard to make money off of mm. first, like, first-hand games. Mm. But I don't really want to go the whole jumble sale route of selling second-hand games in my game no. shop. But what I really liked was the thing you were talking about, like doing almost game rental, mm. where every week you rent it, it's money off the price of the game. Oh, yeah, from my childhood. I think that's a really nice idea. And if you could do that, you essentially, like, you sell, you sort of rent out the disc. And once someone's rented it for long enough to buy it, you just give them the box it came in. You go, mm. there you go, it's yours now, you own that. Be nice. I think that's nice. And if after three weeks they've had their money's worth, they've paid five pounds a week to rent it, they bring it back and they spent fifteen quid, and now you get to rent it to someone else. It's not it's not mm. revenue yeah. lost. And admittedly, we're not business studies graduates here, so no, and there's probably my, my idea would be I'd be bankrupt in five minutes. But I'm, I just I guess I'm making a point about it being a more pers a, a nicer 
buying experience and an experience it you have with people, It has to be a space friends. that people want to come yeah. to. And I would sling in, like, maybe some arcade games and so on. But you know what else could make it great? Is you make it like a like ye olde curiosity shop, which is to say you go in there and you get that thing that Matt Castle was talking about. Where you go in and you're like, I've never seen that before. Mm. I've never seen that thing yeah. I'm seeing before. And it's people travel to Japan and they say, oh, you've got to go and see this, this, um, this cafe. You've got to see this restaurant. You've got to see the Tokyo Tower. You've got to see this and that. Got to see Super Potato and Akihabara. Mm. And you're like, why? You say, just trust me. And it's this tiny little game shop. It's so small. Mm-hmm. It's on three floors. It's got this elevator that goes up to it. And the elevator's big enough to hold like one man and a matchbox. And you go up there, and it's just every wall of every every side of the shop is crammed to bursting with curiosities, yeah. virtual boys, super mm. scopes, weird things you haven't seen in years. Imagine that. You go into this shop, and it's just like, almost this is a. Over, yeah. Game over. We could do we could do that topic like, for a long yeah. time. I think. I was going to tell people about the throne they've got on the top floor made out of game boxes. Throne made of Famicom cartridges. We've run out of time, so we can't talk about that. <laughs> we can't talk oh, about it. Five minute warning. Why are you so mean? <laughs> Maybe we should we should go back to it in the future though. Just do our do our dream game store. Mm. Cool. I just like I love the idea of a game store as venue. You know, mm. you go there and it's you know because it is um oh you know what's his name the uh, oh Kevin Smith you know it's yeah. a comic shop right. Yeah, you go into his comic shop and you. Um, this is breaking the rules of five minute warning. Grievous, grievously. Yeah. You go to that comic shop, and I'm not really a Smith fan, but I used to be growing up. But you go to his shop, and on the on the walls of the comic shop is like all this memorabilia. Mm. Use there's like the the, the mole rats bat bat helmet and stuff like that. Imagine going into a game shop and on the wall there's like a super scope mounted up on the thing and a menacer um, mm. thing and a old spec an old spectrum light gun, and it's just like a nice experience where people go. You're going to Bath. Oh, mm. you've got to go to the, oh, this then, game store. Super, just, just to, just super got, radish. Yeah, you've got to go to super radish <laughs> yeah. because of the weird shit they have yeah. on the walls. Stuff that you've, you've forgotten about. Just make it a nostalgia trip. Because hmm. let's face it, every visit to every game shop these days, all you're seeing is the latest, newest stuff. Hmm. And the only people who are inclined to go to game stores are the people who are from our generation, I think. You've got an yeah. insane passion for game stores. Yeah, yeah I think it'd be good. <laughs> All right, we've got one more round of questions or uh, topics. Uh, I will pick up the one from Katie McVie. What does she want? She <laughs> says... Might be, might be McVeigh. Yep. Girls gaming in general. All right. Why do we either A, get creeped on... Oh. Or B, get abused. Yeah, you could answer this, Matt Castle. Why do you creep <laughs> why on don't, girls? Why it's, it's not old-fashioned to think that gaming is only a man's world. I don't get creeped on. You do the creeping, what? is what I'm saying. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes, I do creep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Got, we, we actually <laughs> talked about this coming home from the podcast uh, last time I did one, I think. Yeah. I came up with an answer to this. I think I think yeah. it isn't true that games are a men's world, but men are definitely the weirdest half of that world. It's not half either. It's probably closer to like 80 90%. But women, um, even looking around our office, like there's not many women writing about games. And I think that, and there is a reason why there's not so many women talking about games on the internet as well. I don't think I don't want to. Don't want, I don't want. Well, this is going to be really sensitive with this. I don't want to marginalise the experiences of the gamers out there who are women. But the fact is, there are, is there is are fewer women playing games, and the guys who are playing games are playing them in a different way. Which is to say, when a guy is into something, whether it's fishing, golf tennis or video games he's obsessed with it 
Men are mental. We all are. We're, we're nuts. Like, when a guy gets in, it's not enough for a man to go, Carl, I really like trains. I just think trains are really nice things. They have to collect all the numbers of all the trains. I must have every train. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when a guy's into fishing, it's not enough that he goes fishing once in a while. I must have all fish. It becomes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it becomes a obsessive quest, yeah. you know, to, to be the best. And they go on forums and they talk about it. And this is the way men's brains work. They're like, they're like lasers. They get into things. And do you think this is true? Do you think this is? I don't think this is true of everyone. I don't think it's true of everyone. I, but I, I think I, I think men men are sort of yeah. The, I, I think there is that they they get into into stuff more and obsess about it more. I think and this whatever is they, they, pure their obsession is, logic. they love they love they're into it. This is pure caveman logic, and this is this is something. It's an old cliche that women are better better at multitasking, men are better at like this like laser like focus on one thing, and I think that translates into the way guys mm. play games. It's like I don't think you're going to get. There are some, but very few women who are prepared to sit down and play Call of Duty for eight hours in a row. But I can guarantee you, right now, from a straw poll of just our Facebook readers, I could probably find six or seven guys who will. That's because dudes are grody. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. But yeah. Yeah, that, that, weird, that weird obsessiveness yeah. translates into a degree of grodiness, yeah. which kind of marginalises yeah. women's experience of games, which is much more of a, oh, I like games, I'm going to play a game. Oh, I'm done with that game, I'm going to go and do I something think, else now. I think this also feeds into um, to Katie's first point, which is the get creeped on thing. Yeah. Now, it's one thing one thing most men are into quite heavily is women. So when one appears in in a space... Which, way to, which way is, to marginalise all the gay gamers there, Andy. Well, I said most. Yeah. Um, when when um, when a woman appears in a predominantly male activity like it's bad, games, isn't it? it's it's sort of like a feeding frenzy. It's like a rare which, Pokemon and, turning up. A woman <laughs> has appeared, and you've got you say so you've got a call cast of, woo. So you've got a Call of Duty lobby. <laughs> it's super ineffective. <laughs> you've got eight eight men in there. Uh, so you've got seven men in there, one woman. Now the natural male instinct is to to sort of be be the boss, you know. And, and, and that, that, that is, it's, it's the person who shouts the loudest and makes the most noise. It's his caveman who's, bullshit. It's yeah, it is caveman bullshit. And that, you know, when a man is trying too hard to impress a lady, that's creepy. No, but you see, you've got the shouty type. But, oh, you know, there's two types. There's the guy who's like, oh, yeah, I am the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the big man. And there's the other guy who's like, you guys should just leave her alone. I'm the yeah, white knight. I'm yeah. the He's white the real knight. creep. He's the real yeah. creep. The white knight's that's, the real creep. I like yeah. to play that role in forums. That, that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. See, that's that's the dude who... He's got his hands on himself. You're like, yeah. you're right. All these other guys in here are creeps. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? The irony is that's the that's Mr. Friends. Yeah, that, is, that is that <laughs> always friends. That's the, that's the guy who's forever going to be. Oh, you're such a good listener. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that guy's... Uh, that's, yeah. that's Mr. Cuddle, isn't it? That's Mr. Cuddle, yeah. yeah. Mr. Cuddle. So yeah. why why abuse? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's I, again again. I guess it's it's sexism. No, and, it's, out, it's absolutely and, um, sexism. Look, <laughs> online games encourage bring out the very worst they of do. people. P- people are never as racist as they are when they're online. Mm. Like people are disgustingly racist online. They're disgustingly homophobic online. And guess what? They're disgustingly sexist online too. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's, it is the minority. I mean, but it is the vocal minority. It's the same with everything like the internet. You always hear the worst opinions from the vocal minority. So. You know, you you know, the, with with the abuse thing, I, I I don't I don't see it as much, I don't think. Um, but it is you remember it more because it's always 
one douchebag making all the noise. So one noisy douchebag. It's, it's mainly That's the name of it's, my one-man it's, play. It's your lobby, your lobby of eight people. It's it's six people, six people hitting on the girl, couple couple of friend zone dudes, and one uh, sexist creep. Incidentally, that noise just then—that's the—that's uh, the noise I make when I see a girl on a forum, <laughs> <laughs> or indeed in the streets, yeah. <laughs> or in the park, or through their windows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's out there in my garden? It's me, and I'm the guy who's going to say, "I want to apologise for right. my castle's <laughs> behaviour." <laughs> it's disgusting, really, the way guys behave. When... Which topic have we got? We have got. got, two got um, what about this is from this is from a lot of people yeah so yeah. you know we there's no particular name but many people asked it you clearly want to know uh they asked for tales from our days before games journalism what jobs we did what did we do before your games yeah, a lot of people ask a lot of them are asking for me to tell stories from the cinema days i've told most of the good ones so i'm gonna hand this over to you guys uh, uh before i became a games journalist i well, I was I was at uni and I had a part time job at uh, H Samuels, the jewellers. <laughs> H <laughs> don't, Samuels, don't know whether we can name check them on the podcast. Probably shouldn't. Have, you I were probably a just said ever. It probably should have just said a leading high street jeweller. Well, I didn't put have you down as a jeweller. No. Well, it was it was basically it was just one of those jobs that you took because they offered a job. I, I wasn't, love jewels because I fucking, <laughs> fucking love earrings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, uh, when I was at uni, I did like I did bar work and stuff because you could meet like people and girls and stuff yeah, that you way. You can meet lots of enga- girls about to get engaged. Oh, that's right, Which yeah. are great. <laughs> it, was, it was a job. It was a job I had. And then I, le- I left university, couldn't get a job doing games, which was my, my passion. And um, I transferred to the shop in Oxford Street. So I have worked in H. Samuels and Oxford Street. Oh, wow, Street. that must have been crazy. It was, it was Did mad. they have a special room for like the real high-end stuff? No. Because if you go to certain jewellers... They haven't got any high-end stuff. If, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. I really, I really shouldn't be saying any of this stuff. If you go to jewellers in uh, New York and so on... I learned this from Wall Street, too. Yeah. You go, the guy, the guy goes in, he's like, look, that's, that's, that's all very well and good, but show me the real shit. Do you want to know what's behind the uh, behind the, the staff-only door in it? <laughs> it's at Oxford Street. Yeah, go on. It's, it's the one near uh, Oxford Circus Tube. Um, it's... Uh, you, you, go, you go out the back... You go upstairs and there's a storeroom which is full of those Diamonds. horrible, horrible collectibles. Those little pigs, they're called oh, pigs. Oh, no. <laughs> Stuff full of those. Oh, I so, forgot they sell all those all really crystal figurine things. Tacky oh, figures. God, it's horrible. Oh, stuff that only grandma's like. And to, to be honest, it wasn't, I, I, it wasn't mentally challenging work. So I used to spend most of my days dicking around and trying to make my life more interesting. Did you ever stealing put, Did you ever put all of the rings in the shop on all of your fingers? <laughs> no. I was so one done thing, that. One thing I did do... With you this, call uh, yourself Diamond Dan. One of these little Swarovski <laughs> crystal jobs, which is in the shape of a swan. Yeah. And... Um, when I was when we were handling it one day, his head fell off. Oh. So what, what we did is we, we cut out a head of this really smug-looking guy from a magazine, stuck it on with blue tack, and put it in the window. 
I'd I wrote, like to, I'd I wrote like to on the little the label. Swan hybrid. I wrote, I wrote on the little label. Swan man, <laughs> seventy <laughs> pounds. Where are you, Matt Castle? I need you some home base stuff, right? Yeah, I used to work in home base. It's not the most exciting job in the world, but my anecdotes from home base are all mainly kind of destroyed because I, I had the worst shifts at home base. I worked Friday night and Sunday after Sunday. Oh, so every Friday night after college, everyone else. This was at, we, we were like six, seventeen, eighteen. This was when everyone else was kind of getting into nightlife and going out on the town and uh, whatnot. But I'd always have to You're go using to home air, base. Air quotation marks, by the way. The, yeah, well, this is this is why I'm such a freak now. Is that I missed that form those formative years of partying and drinking and whatnot because mm. I was in home base not knowing about hammers while well, people asked me about hammers. Mm-hmm. And it really bugs me. Lots of stand-up comedians do jokes about going into home base and they go with the staff. You know, Jack D had this thing where he goes, like, oh, I want to buy this. And the guy's like, oh, I have to go and ask my supervisor. <laughs> and then they disappear for 10 minutes. And that that is true. You do do that because, mm. you know, what, what I was a teenager. What do you, home base only employs students and old people. Like, no one who's any use in the middle who actually has knowledge, because the old people, all their DIY knowledge is from, like, the 50s, you know, and all these things are outdated now. They can tell you how to use... I can't even tell you what they are, you know, some old, you know, they were grinding everything by hand or whatever. And the young people don't care, because it's DIY, and, you know, we're a frivolous generation. Yeah, our generation is no good at repairing stuff. So it's just spent the whole time feeling stupid, though I did used to work the paint-mixing machine. Oh, nice. Which is... Little secret about the Dulux colour matching machine, actually. Everyone, you know, they just used to wear those adverts bring anything in and we'll make that colour. Mm. What actually used to happen is you'd scan it and all it wouldn't make a colour, it would just match it to the 150 Dulux colours that already existed. So, what you'd go, you'd go, a oh, fun little game, while I'm doing this, why don't you pick out the colour you think it's closest to? on the wall of colour swatches and see if you're the same as the machine. And then whatever they pick, you go, that's the colour! So they don't get <laughs> angry that, with you yeah. later. Because the machine was awful. Go on, Mike, give us a quick blast. For I've got 24 seconds. Sorry, so... I filled the time up with my No, that's thing. okay. Um, again, I've told a lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, movie theatre stories. Uh, I'm not going to tell any of the Barman stories or anything because they're kind of boring. But um, with only 11 seconds left, I don't think I'm going to have any chance to tell any story. What I want to do is I want to ask you guys, what was the, how much were you, were you getting paid on your, uh, your first paycheck per hour? This is, these were because for me it was the days before minimum wage. I don't know. Was it like? What was your pay? I don't know. It was like four fifty five pounds. You? Oh god, I don't know per hour. I can't. I can't remember. I just remember feeling really sad when I. I remember my pay exactly packet. what mine was before the days of minimum wage. I was eighteen. Two pounds ninety Ooh, an no. hour. Blimey, that's rough. That went up to three pounds fifty after three months. Two pounds eighty. Yeah. And that was to be a male prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are rough that was, days. That was, that was sucking off dudes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little long. That's a little over five minutes. Oh. Right. <laughs> last one, Mike. What is the last one? I'll find it on the sheet. Oh, this is a good one. It's actually a good one. Uh, it's opposed to all the rubbish ones we just answered. They've everyone. all been great. So no, they, they have, have all they been have really been great, good. Yeah. They've been I've, enjoyed, great. I've enjoyed bear, five minute warning. Bear in mind, I've been drawing from, I was drawing from a pool of like about 200. So it was good. Um, where do you see guys? Well, where do you see guys? Everywhere. <laughs> I see guys everywhere in my Most, sleep. Mostly in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mostly in the video games industry. Yeah. <laughs> where do you guys see gaming in the next, next generation? Oh. It's 10 to 15 years from now when it's time for the next, next gen. That's from Dusty Good. It's a good Dusty name. Good. It's a great name. And the clock starts now. 
holograms. <laughs> holograms. <laughs> um, I, I think you're just gonna. I think it's just gonna keep going until like consoles are done. You think so? The next console generation is the last console generation. Hmm. Now, the console generation after that is a homogenized box that everyone will build. Will it be a gen- Will we have generations anymore? Well, no, I guess it won't be. It'll just be a, a an be, updating it, service. Or? Well, what I, what I, my, my, I think my vision in the future, which is I think is probably quite likely, is basically a, a PC in a small box with a, with a Steam-like client, mm. which you just download games. Mm. But what um, other companies will then bring to it are things like Connect right. and Move and that kind of thing. That's where so like when, so with maybe with um, the Microsoft version of that box is the only place you can use Connect. Mm. Maybe the Sony version of that box is the only place you can use their, their future version of Move. Oh, so right. But make no mistake, the things we've been reporting in Xbox World these last few months, Microsoft's vision for the future of Kinect and so on, that's not bullshit. That's actually happening. It's not like we're sitting there just pulling stuff out of our ass. They really are working on augmented reality stuff, which like uses Kinect to track your body, track your head in space, and then basically build worlds in front of you. So if you're sitting on your sofa, you would look to the left, and oh, look, there's Chun-Li. You look to the right, and there's Mario. It's not Mario, because it'd be an Xbox thing. But you know what I mean? Mm. That's what they're trying to build. Projecting these images. They've got systems right now which already project the images, but the systems that we're likely to see will be augmented reality ones, so you'll wear a pair of specs, oh, you wear specs through right. which you look, and then you'll see them right. in the mm. real world. It's say. not doing 3D holograms in your room, but it will look as real as a 3D hologram would be through your specs. I don't know if I want chun in the living room. Oh, no, you, know. you don't. You don't have to. You don't have to have to telly to bits. Is she? Well, it's, it might be a bit strange. You know, you're like, that, how sad is that? You're hanging out with Chun, with a but pretend Chun Li. That you know? again, that's not bullshit. And also, they're working on like sound systems which direct sound to specific areas of the room. This technology exists. It just hasn't been brought to homes yet. Microsoft are trying to bring it to homes. We know this. This is happening, and that would allow those characters to talk to you. Mm. And the sound would sound like it's coming from their 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 mouths, you know. That'd be terrifying. They can. Mm. they Microsoft's future for Kinect is nothing short of building a holodeck in your living room. It's crazy. Of course, most living rooms are small yeah. and not in any way you're not able to build that kind of thing. But limitation those limitations aside, that's what Microsoft want to do. They want to bring the games off of the screen. That's Stay the, in the TV, I say. That's the next, next generation the as far as I can see. So no, can, no. So. Get out of the TV. Get back in the TV. Make yourself at home. Listen, the living room is Matthew's space. The TV is Hayden Tenno's space. <laughs> <laughs> From Dark Sector. From Dark Sector. Yeah. Exactly. Love dark sector. Would you, do you want Hayden Tenno in your living room throwing his glaive around? There's also an argument to be made that, of course, we don't have consoles at all. We just have one mm. device in our pocket, like an iPhone-like device. You bring it home. You connect it to your TV with a wireless system. And it handles all of your media. Mm. You put it in your pocket and it becomes your phone. Do you think reckon that's going to happen? Yeah, eventually. Yeah, I don't, don't know whether that will be the next, next generation. It'll be like the next, 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 whatever generation. So I, feel, I think it's, it's a way off. If we're talk, I mean, if we're talking about like games becoming these holodeck things and becoming, you know, almost things you can live in, hmm. then that's a little while away. Like, it always, it always brings to mind for me like that episode of Red Dwarf called Better, Better Than Life. Life yeah. yeah. I'd love to do that. I remember the when, lone, I, when lone, I was the young. Lone, the, gun, the Gunman of the Apocalypse. The episode was called. The yeah. book was called Better in Life. When when I was younger, that that was that was the business. That's what games needed to be. Yeah. But um, not for a while, obviously. You know, I like traditional games, and I like games with buttons. I don't think they're going anywhere. Mm. But I, I mean, I can fully see a general like a, a, a Halo Seven 
mm. where you sit down and you play a game and it's on your screen just like it is now and you still play it with your thumbsticks but you're wearing a pair of specs and your whole HUD is on that mm. and you know what even the game even bleeds beyond the screen at certain points they use mm. 3D effects they mm. use it comes out of the side of the screen think of the stuff that Kojima could do with something yeah. like that you know well, it'll, can, be, it'll be running on the micro Sony game box but let me uh, let me ask you I, I, don't, I honestly don't see a future where Microsoft and Sony get together no, and make a no. machine what I see is a it'd future a where box. Google TV Apple TV whatever um, Valve end up doing when they probably end up going into the hardware market which I think they might one day mm. whatever they end up doing becomes so powerful and so convenient because it's just a PC and every developers love making games for PC because it's easier like that becomes so powerful that everyone else just goes, well, let's just do that from now on then. Mm. And I, I can see, I can see that future happening. But let me ask you guys a question: When someone invents the holodeck, how quickly does it? How long is it before it gets just used for sex? Oh, minutes. Dur- dirty, filthy minutes. games. Mi- minutes. Minutes. You say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was thinking like like noir detective, but. There you go. It's just the way your mind works. We're on a very different page. That's I'm like, sweet, I could be a detective. You're a sweet, <laughs> innocent boy, like, Mr. Castle. <laughs> everyone else is like, sex, sex, That's sex. because I didn't go out on Friday nights when I was in home base. Yeah. <laughs> like, now I want to be a policeman. <laughs> Microsoft, <laughs> e- paint. Microsoft yeah. at E3 2021, they go, this is the uh, the Kinect deck. This is where you'll experience all games from now on. First question, hand goes up. Can I use it for sex? <laughs> yeah. When is the groinal attachment coming out? Yeah, groinal attachment. That attachment. Groin box five hundred. There's like a box. I think it's called like the Onanist two thousand or something like that. <laughs> what that's for? In Japan, <laughs> it plugs into your PC and it lets you have. It lets you um, enjoy your virtual girlfriend because you know those virtual girlfriend games are huge in Japan right now. Mm. Well. There's a device that lets you enjoy them. It's disgusting. You wouldn't want to buy a second hand one, would you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, good that, Lord. Or, or, or a malfunctioning that, maybe, that, See, that's what's going to put game out of business, that game right there. No one's buying the second hand copy of that. <laughs> tell you what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, the want, to the, 5, uh, I wouldn't want to be on the uh, troubleshooting hotline for that one. I <laughs> 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 need some disturbing yeah. stuff coming yeah, through. Yeah, stuck line. again. Yeah. Is it meant to bleed as much? <laughs> so <laughs> we're out, aren't we? So yeah, that that brings us to the I end really of our uh, our five minute warning special. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it as well. We we, we hope you guys format. enjoyed it. Um, as ever, uh, hit thanks. Us up. I invented it. Yeah, yeah thanks for actually. I it. didn't. You know what? I got in the interest of full disclosure. That was sort of a, a stolen from a long dead uh, podcast. From a, from a few years ago, which was excellent. I won't, I won't name it, but it was an excellent podcast. New, new ideas are incredibly rare. Good Rarer topics than as well, think. readers. Yeah, the topics, the topics kicked yeah, ass. They are good. We're not going to do it every week, but you know, I think once a, once a few couple of months, I think, that's, mm-hmm. I think it's a good yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a winner, yeah. So uh, until next time, uh, don't forget, hit us up on uh, Twitter, at Xbox World Mag, and on Facebook, search for Xbox World. And... Uh, until next time, uh, when's the next issue? Our next issue will be out 6th of March. Yeah, it's coming real soon. So, uh, yes, there will be a new podcast. There won't be a new podcast before then, but it will be around then. Uh, so until next time, thanks for listening. See you. Bye. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. Dee, 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 la, 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 la